This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 29, when we last left David, of course, he, in a moment of weakness and a moment of doubt, fled from the land of Israel, from the regions of Judah, and went to dwell with Achish, the king of uh, Gath, a Philistine king. In this doubt, he sought for a new place to dwell, and Achish allowed David to live in Ziklag. We find a picture of a man who doubts God, and in his moment of weakness, instead of trusting the Lord with all of his heart, he leans to his own understanding, and he goes and dwells with the enemies of God. To continue to dwell there, he deceives the king, as we noted uh, when we looked at chapter number 27. He deceived the king, telling the king that he had been fighting his own people. The king of Gath, of course, believed that and allowed David to live there for many months. In chapter number 28, we see a desperate Saul as he goes to the uh, witch of Endor, as she is known to many who study the Bible, a woman with a familiar spirit, because the Philistines have come upon him and he can get no answer from the Lord. So he goes to this woman and he asks her to call up the spirit of Samuel and Samuel spirit speaks to Saul and lets him know that he's going to the battle and when he gets there he's going to die and David would then become the king as the Philistines are gathering and preparing for the battle we come to chapter number 29 and we find that David is still among the Philistines we begin reading now in verse number one now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. This means that he was uh, with Achish, David's men, they're with Achish, but they're in the back uh, of the ranks, so to speak. Verse 3, Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years, and I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day? And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him, and the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place, which thou hast appointed him, and let, not, or let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us, for wherewith should we reconcile himself unto his master, should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David, of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Then Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me in the host is good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee, 
since the day of thy coming unto me unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the Lord of the Philistines. And David said unto Achish, But what have I done, and what hast thou found in thy servant, so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may go fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as the angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return into the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. I want you to notice a phrase we find in verse number 3. The Bible said, Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews here? It's really a great question, isn't it? The armies of the Philistines are preparing for battle against the armies of Israel. The Philistine army is going to fight Saul, the king of Israel. David has been a loyal subject to Saul. He has called himself often the servant of Saul. Now we find David aligning himself in the battle with the enemies of Saul, preparing to go to the battle. And the enemies of Saul and the enemies of Israel, which were the Philistines, see David and his men, and they ask a question. What do these Hebrews hear? In other words, what are you doing here? It's really a good question, isn't it? What are you doing here? Have you ever found yourself in a place or with a group of people in a time that you knew better, and you've asked yourself this question, or maybe the Lord by his Spirit has asked this question, what are you doing here? This is not where you belong. These are not your people. Have you forgotten who you are? What are you doing here? Well, that was the question, no doubt, that was asked by the Philistines concerning David. What are you doing here? We'll note a few things as we look at this passage together. The first thing I want you to see is David's dilemma. David's dilemma. He was really in a, a difficult predicament. Remember, now he had left his place. Where is his place? His place is in Israel among the people of God. Remember, he is the king, anointed king of Israel. Of course, he was mistreated by Saul, unjustly accused of being disloyal to Saul, and Saul has been hunting him, and Saul has been pursuing him, trying to kill him. But God has been faithful to David, and time and time again, God has delivered David. In fact, twice Saul, from his own mouth, has said to David, you've been righteous, I've been wicked, you're going to be the king. But in spite of all that, in a moment of weakness, in a moment of doubt, what did David do? He fled from his place in Israel, and he chose to go and dwell among the people who were the enemies of God, the people called the Philistines. 
there are times in our lives where we may be mistreated or we may misunderstand something that causes us to be harmed or to be hurt. There's no doubt about it that David was mistreated. Saul unjustly treated him and falsely accused him, and and Saul had weaponry and power behind him. But in spite of the mistreatment that he received, David had no excuse to align himself with the enemies of God. And though some of God's children may mistreat you, that does not give you a license or a pass or an excuse to forsake the Lord and fellowship together with the people of this world. We all know people that have in years past gone to church and been hurt by someone, or maybe they misunderstood something and had some unjust or unreasonable expectation that they placed upon uh, people within the church. And because they're perceived needs were not met, or maybe they were unjustly treated. They decided to forsake the assembly of God's people. They have left the church. I'm not speaking about a particular church. I'm talking about just left the fellowship of God's people altogether. And now out in the world, there are people who are out of place. Like David, they're in the wrong place and they're with the wrong people. There are other reasons that people may leave and join up with this world, that they may slide back or backslide from their faith in Christ and enter into a life that is more uh, synonymous with the life system of this world. The Proverbs speak of this as a bird that wandereth from her nest, Proverbs 27 and verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. If you read the Proverbs, you'll find a few references concerning birds and the snare of the fowler. The fowler traps the bird and and tries to ensnare the bird. And, And so the warning here is to those who wonder who leave their place and they're looking for something outside of what God has designed for them. And we find here that birds that wander from their nest often find themselves in the snare of the fowler. I think about Abraham who, after he had arrived in Canaan and built uh, an altar to the Lord and, and called upon the name of the Lord, then he encountered a famine and decided in the famine that he was going to go down to Egypt. But when he went to Egypt, he did not go in the will of God. He went according to his own reasoning, and he nearly lost his wife, and he lost, nearly lost his testimony. Think about Naomi, who in the moment of famine decided that it only made sense to go to Moab. And so she and her husband went to Moab. And there her husband and her two sons died. She came back to Bethlehem, Judah, years later to say that I went out full, but I've come back empty. Jonah, when told to go to Nineveh, 
went down to Tarshish, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He got on board a ship, and the ship encountered a storm, and the sailors threw Jonah overboard, and Jonah found himself in the belly of the whale. The prodigal son said to his father, I'm, I'm kind of over this, you know. It's, it's just kind of boring here, and there's not much going on, but I hear that life in the far country is, is really uh, pretty uh, interesting, and, and um, I, I think I need to get a taste of this world. And so his father gave him his inheritance, and he went into the far country, and he wasted his substance on riotous living. He lived the high life, as the world will tell you to live. He enjoyed every pleasure of every sin. But one day he found himself broke and forsaken by the people of this world. He found himself empty and he found himself hungry. The Bible said he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He was willing at this point in his life, he became so empty and so desperate and so alone that he was willing to eat what the hogs ate. Then finally he recognized his dilemma. He came to himself. And here we find David in a great dilemma. He's lived among the Philistines. He has pledged at least outwardly his loyalty to them, and now it's time for them to go to war. And David has to go and fight. But who's he fighting against? He's fighting against his own people. James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse number 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. In other words, to join as a friend, a companion, one who has fellowship and commonplace with the people of this world, with the system of this world. By the way, let's remind ourselves who the God of this world is. It's the devil. David has now aligned himself with the king of Gath. Remember the great enemy that came from Gath, Goliath, the one who withstood the armies of Israel and defied them? David had conquered by faith in God, the great champion of Gath. But now he finds himself as a friend to the people of Gath. And to be a friend of this world is to be at enmity with God. He goes on to say, whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. Why would any child of God want to align himself with the enemies of God? In this crazy, confused age in which we live, we find many people who call themselves Christians who even are in places of leadership within uh, Christian organizations and Christian denominations. We find them aligning themselves with the thinking and the philosophies of this world. It's quite disturbing to see, is it not? David's in a dilemma. It's time to go to battle. Are you going to be loyal to me, David? Oh, yes, King Achish. I'm going to be loyal. Well, then let's go to fight. Who are we fighting? We're fighting Saul. What a dilemma David's in. Can you imagine the nerves within that man's 
heart, how, how disrupted he was. I imagine his stomach was in knots. I imagine he was thinking about the ramification of his action, going to battle against his own people. Here he is, the king, the anointed king of Israel, and now he's going to be mixed up in this crowd of Philistines who are fighting against Saul, the one who had accused David of being disloyal all along, and now David is getting ready to go fight his own king and therefore vindicate Saul in his accusations against him. You see, when we drift away from our place, we find ourselves in situations and circumstances that are beyond our imagination. We find ourselves in places that we never dreamed we would ever be, and that's where David is. He's in a dilemma. Second thing we note here are David's detractors. His detractors, his critics, his foes. Notice, if you would, in verse 3, Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years? And I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day. Now think about Achish's words here. He said, well, this is David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel. It, it's almost as a contradiction, is it not? He's going to fight Saul, but he's the servant of Saul. Verse 4, and the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him, and the princes of the Philistines said unto him, make this fellow return that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him and let him not go down with us to battle. We don't want him fighting with us. Why? Well, they tell us. Lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? In other words, how is David going to get back into Saul's good graces, Achish? Think about what you're doing. If he goes and fights with us, he will turn against us. And he will bring our heads to Saul and be reconciled to Saul. I certainly believe that this was David's intention. I don't think David would have lifted his hand against one of the men of Israel. He hadn't before. And when he had opportunity to take Saul's life, on two occasions, he resisted that opportunity. He said, I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. And though David is in a place he should not be with a people he should not be with, he has not forgotten who he is. And so I believe these princes were wise to see this. I also believe that God was dealing with all of this because had David went into the battle, whether he fought against Israel or not, he would have forever been accused of fighting with the Philistines and it would have followed him all the days of his life and the people of Israel would not have received him as king. So God is at work. And these critics are saying, wait a minute, this guy is not one of us, he's one of them. What do, verse 3, these Hebrews hear? What are you doing here? I want to say this to you. The world has no appreciation 
or appetite for backslidden believers. If the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is good for nothing, but it is cast out, and it is trodden under the foot of men. He said, you are the the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And if we have lost our savor, if we have blended in so much with this world and adapted and adopted the philosophies of this world to such degree that we've lost our savor, the world has no use for us. Why does the world so hate the church? Why does the world so hate the doctrines of the church? Because it reminds them and confronts them with the fact that they have sinned against God. The detractors. In Genesis 26, we have a reference concerning Isaac and Isaac followed in the footsteps of his father Abraham. He he lied to the Philistine king about who his wife was, and it nearly cost him his wife. God protected him. In Genesis 26 and verse 12, during the time of his sojourn among the Philistines, the Bible said that Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Who is Isaac? He's the son of promise. He knows the true and the living God. That means he enjoys the blessings of God. And when they saw the blessings of God on Isaac's life, the, the Bible tells us that they envied him. Verse 15, the Bible says this in Genesis 26, for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. Here's what they did. They said, we're sick of you, Isaac, so we're going to find all the wells that your father Abraham dug, and we're going to fill them up with dirt. We're going to pollute them. Do you know what this world's trying to do to the church today? Stop all our wells. Fill them with dirt. Fill the well of marriage. Fill the well of ministry. Fill the well of doctrinal purity and truth. Fill the well of joy and blessings. This is the work of the devil, and this is the work of his children. They want to stop the wells. In verse 16, The Bible said in Abimelech, who was the king of Gerar, Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. You see, as long as we live upon this earth and we live for God, we will have detractors. And if we, in a moment of weakness or in a time of temptation, forsake God's house and God's people, and settle into this world, we need to know they're not going to like us anymore. In fact, they're only going to like us less. We see a third thing here. David's deliverer. Now, now let's, let's, let's back, back up a little bit and see what's happening, right? Are you with me this morning? 
David's in a dilemma. What's his dilemma? He's wandered out of his place. And he's been out of his place so long that they've accepted him as one of his. At least Achish has. The rest of them would not. But Achish, the king of Gath, said, David, he's with me. That's a dangerous place to be. And now it's time for him to march upon his own people and against his own king. What a dilemma. And then God raises up these detractors to say, wait a minute, we don't want this guy going with us. And by the way, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to David. To be rejected by this world. And if, if you have turned away from God and, 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 and fallen back into this world for any season, you know that you can't be at home in this world. And the people of this world cannot be at home with you. And so now we find that in the midst of this dreadful situation, what David needs is deliverance. And his deliverer is present with him. Look in verse 6. Then Achish. Now let's remember now, who is Achish? He is a Philistine king, the king of Gath. That's important for us to note right here. Then Achish called David and said unto him, Now what we're about to read is astounding to me. This is a Philistine pagan king. Surely as the Lord liveth. Now in my Bible, the word Lord is in all caps. Is that the way it is in your Bible? Do you know it's there for a reason? It's because the word Lord here is the name of God, Jehovah God. Here you find a Philistine pagan king invoking the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah God, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. This is an astounding statement coming out of the mouth of a Philistine king. Surely, as the Lord liveth, Thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me, unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Who is with David in this moment? It's the Lord. Jehovah God. Though David has departed from Israel, though he has found himself in this difficult dilemma, though he has deceived the people and lied to them in order to be able to stay and dwell among them, there's one thing we note here. God has not forsaken David. And while you may forsake him, he will not forsake you. Let me say that again. While you may forsake him, he will not forsake you. What a blessing. What a blessing. You see, God is working on David's behalf. By, by receiving the rejection of the rest of the Philistines, David is uh, caused and forced to return from the battle. Now, I believe with all of my heart that given the opportunity, David would have done exactly what the Philistines said he would. He would have turned against them and fought against them and on Saul's behalf. But remember this. God had said to Saul, or at least Samuel, let's put it that way. Samuel had said to Saul, you're going to die tomorrow on that field of battle. 
You see, Saul was being judged by God for his disobedience. And so there was no deliverance that was going to come for Saul through the hand of David. But there was deliverance for David that was coming to him through the hand of God. Verse 8, and David said unto Achish, but what have I done? And what hast thou found in thy servant so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may not go fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? The question is, who is the Lord the King that he's referring to? I believe David's protest here is a, is a, it's, it's a sincere protest, but I believe the motive of his heart all along was to go and fight for Saul against the Philistines. Verse 9, And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said he shall not go up with us to the battle. So we find David's deliverer. He is an ever-present God. In Psalm 139, uh, David writes and says, uh, beginning in verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. What is David saying? He's saying, Lord, there is no place that I can go where you're not with me. David said, I've been, I've been in some good places. I've been in some difficult places. I've been in some places I never needed to be in. I've been in the light where it was obvious what was going on. I've been in the darkness when I thought no man could see. But here's what I know. God, no matter if I could see you or not, you could always see me. He is a faithful God. And though we forsake him, he will not forsake us. You see, though David was in the wrong place, among the wrong people, at the wrong time, he had the right man with him. Martin Luther in his song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, writes these words, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. I'm glad the right man is with me, even at times when I'm in the wrong place. We see a fourth thing. We see David's departure. David has now realized he's in the wrong place. Maybe this morning God by his spirit has spoken unto you. And he's let you know you're in the wrong place. Maybe nobody knows it but you. Maybe it's just an attitude that's beginning to develop. 
a temptation, a secret life. But God is speaking. Maybe there's anger and bitterness and resentment and you want out of it all. You can't wait. You can do what you want to do. That's what the that's what the prodigal son thought. I had a girl lately in the last few months tell me I can't wait to get out from underneath some of this stuff. And I thought, hmm, that's a dangerous thing to say. You know, out from underneath the rules mom and dad has, out and underneath the restrictions that are placed on my life, I can't wait to get out there in the world and just do anything I, I want to do. It's a very dangerous place. And David now realizes he's been in a dangerous place. But he realizes that his deliverer is with him. And so what does he do? Well, he's got to depart. He's got to get out of there. And so we see his departure. Notice, if you would, in verse 10, Wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. What did David do? He got out of there. What does God want you to do? He wants you to get out of there. Get out of that way of thinking. Get out of that attitude. Get out of that sin. Get out of that fellowship of the world. Get away from that and get back to God. He's calling you to come out from among them and be ye separate. When the young man, the prodigal son, came to himself, this is what he said in Luke chapter 15 and verse 17. How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. You know, that's a great way to get out right there. That's the first step of departure is to arise and go and to say to my father, I have sinned. When's the last time you confessed your sin? Verse 19, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father's house. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You see, his father couldn't wait to see him. His father wanted him to return, and he did depart, and he went back home. And he went back home to a loving father who forgave him who put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, who killed the fatted calf, and they made merry. Listen, I think some people have this view of God, and unfortunately I think some preachers preach a view of God that he's some angry ogre up in the heavens just waiting to hit you over the head, wanting to punish you for all your sins. Let me tell you, you couldn't take the punishment for your sin. The punishment for your sin is an eternity in hell. But Jesus took it for you. And all you have to do is come to him 
Maybe you've never been in the right place in your life. Maybe you've never been among the people of God, but today God by his spirit is speaking to you and drawing you to himself. He'll receive you, forgive you of all your sin and cleanse you. And all you have to do is arise and come to him and say, Father, I have sinned. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Maybe as a young person, maybe as an older person, in your heart there's an attitude of sin, there's a drifting in your, in your life. The appearances may cause people to think things are good and okay, but you know in your heart they're not. You've drifted. Perhaps you find yourself in a dilemma. There is a deliverer. Why don't you come to him? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.